0: Welcome to the Ivy Church Podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Doing the moonwalk. What a film! Incredible film. It may or may not have anything to do with my talk. It's just such a good film. You can't keep it to yourself. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest to start. Have you ever stood up to speak to people and you suddenly realise your bladder's full and you're desperate to go to the loo? So we're going to get through this together. Uh, and if it looks like I'm super energised today, I might be excited or I might just be fidgeting. Um, but this is, this is preaching, My right? Preaching isn't like one person speaking. This is supposed to be a group thing, isn't it? You know, as we, as we do this, we'll do it together. I'm preaching to myself and I'm preaching to you. If you encourage me, I'll try to encourage you. If you encourage me a lot, I'll preach even better. It's how it works. Let's do this together. Sound good? Good. <laughs> um, have you ever felt like your, your mind has tricked you, that it, it's, it's kind of led you down a wrong path? There was a man called Roger Babson, who you've never heard of, I'm sure. But he was absolutely brilliant. He was a mathematician. He was a financial analyst. He predicted the stock market crashing in 29, way ahead of time. He was a millionaire in his 20s. He was this brilliant guy. But his life was marked with tragedy. Because when he was a child, his sister drowned. And it left a scar in him so deep that he never forgot it. And, and he blamed Gravity. He literally, he wrote, he described gravity as a dragon that came and it seized his sister and took her away from him. Later on, his life was hurt again as his grandson drowned as well. And it's perhaps this event that led to him starting a foundation. And he said that the purpose of the foundation was to fight against mankind's number one enemy, gravity. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, what is he thinking? Gravity, our number one enemy. Like this guy's gone loopy. What's wrong with him? What's he thinking? Why is, why is he acting like this? And, and the answer is, he was hurt. You know, he, it, it was hard. He was heartbroken. And all of his potential, all of his intelligence, all of his rational thinking didn't matter. Because he ended up going down this, this crazy path and fighting against one of the, the foundational forces of nature, he was never going to win. And I wonder whether you have Babson-esque thoughts in your head. Like maybe something's happened to you. Maybe you've had a relationship that's gone so wrong that you've turned around and said, do you know what, men just can't be trusted. Do you know what, I'm never going to open myself up again. Or maybe you are in a business deal, and it went so badly that you said to yourself, I'm just not good at this. I'm, I'm never going to be a success. Or maybe there's another Babsonesque force that's happened in your life and it's led you to a thinking pattern which has taken you in all the wrong directions. I want to share with you today a truth. And it's not an easy truth, it's an awkward truth. It's something that we don't want to talk about. And, and the, the thing is, the people who do want to talk about it, I, I'm not sure that they should talk about it. And, and it affects us. It affects us every single day. It affects you if you're young. It affects you if you're old. It affects you if you're a man or a woman. It affects you if you know Jesus or if you don't. It affects the way that your life is and why you are in the place you are right now. And the truth is this. You've been deceived. You've been deceived and it ain't okay. You know, the Bible tells us we're in a spiritual war and that there is an enemy. It tells us the enemy is like a thief who comes to kill to rob and destroy. And that enemy is fighting for your thoughts. It's fighting for your thoughts because if it can get your thoughts, it'll get your actions. If it can get your beliefs, it can get your behaviours. The way that you think always leads you to the things that you do. If, if the enemy can win a battle in your head, in your mind, it can win a victory over your marriage. It can win a victory over your career, it can win a victory over your ministry. Kevin Gerald describes this as, as like a mind monster, and I love this imagery mind monsters. And he says that their job is, is to take away your joy and peace, yeah. their job is to distance you from the people around you, and their job is to make you feel discontent at everything. Have you been deceived? You felt your peace go. I've got good news for you today. It's a Sunday, get used to it. Every Sunday, we're going to bring some good news, and this is today's. The good news is you don't have to accept it. The good news is you've been equipped. The good news is that God is fighting on your behalf, and He's going to ask you to partner with Him. So, we're going to turn to a book of Ephesians. This is a book we've been looking at all summer. this summer has been our our summer of change. We've been asking God to change stuff. We've been asking God to change our city. We've been asking God to change us. And every week we've been looking at a different chapter in this book. The book was originally written by a guy called Paul. He was writing to an early church, a young church that had just been started. And he spends the first three chapters talking to them about, about how they're saved, about what God has done for them, about how it impacts their life, about the fact that God chose them first. And he wants them to know what to think first. He then starts talking about their behavior. The second half of the book is all about what you do when you know what you should know. And today we're going to go to chapter 6. It's the very last chapter in the letter. And this is Paul's final statement. It's like he said all of this stuff and this is the last bit. This is the bit he wants you to remember. This is the bit he wants you to make sure you take away. And it is gold. So turn with me. Find In your Bibles, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to jump in at verse 10. If you have a Bible, read it, find it. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you today, I've been kind and stuck it on the screen as well to help you out. He says this. He says, That about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you. Well-made weapons of the best materials. And put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. He's saying to this church, you need to recognize something. You need to recognize that there's a spiritual battle that's raging around you, even right now. And I can imagine some of you, even sitting here today, are like, Ben, I mean, this is 2016. That all sounds a little bit medieval, doesn't it? You know, devils and pitchforks, you can't be serious. I mean, like, is this like the exorcist? Is somebody's head going to start spinning? This is all a little bit weird and scary and crazy. Like, get real. C.S. Lewis says, if devils exist, the first thing they're going to do is anesthetize you. They're going to numb you. They're going to try to make it so you don't feel them. Paul isn't trying to scare us. He isn't trying to make you think of all those crazy, scary thoughts. He doesn't want you to think, ah, hell, demons, therefore I'm going to attend the church and do all this stuff. That's not what this is about at all. He wants you to recognize that there's a reality. It's like if you're walking through a park, you don't have to be scared of dog's muck. You don't have to fear it, but you need to recognize it's there or you're going to be stinking for the rest of your day. We don't need to worry about this, but we need to be aware of it. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, but I'm a Christian. Do you know, I've given my life to Jesus. I am full of the Holy Spirit. and no demon got nothing on me. The reality is, That's not entirely the case. It's true, but it's not the full story. Imagine I had a car. And my name is on the car deed. And I gave you my car keys. You could drive my car wherever you like. You could smash it up. You could wreck it. You could completely go to town on my car, get all sorts of speeding tickets, whatever you wanted. Well, in your life, Jesus may well be on the deed of your life. You belong to Jesus 100%. But if you give the keys to somebody else, you can't expect them not to take you where they want to go. We need to be aware of this reality. We need to recognize. In life, every thought is like a train. It takes you somewhere. You know, we get to places in life, and we think, why did we get here? Why am I in self-pity city? Why am I in a London? Or blame Chester. Or other ones like that. <laughs> yeah. I wrote down 10 this morning. Can remember three. <laughs> but we get there and we're like, God, why have you put me here? Why am I in this wilderness? Why did you take me here? And we don't recognize that we boarded a train that's taken us to our destination. We haven't recognized that we're on the wrong train. And if you're on the wrong train, what do you do? You just get off. It's not a big deal. Just go back. We need to recognize. How do you recognize when your mind is not helping you? I think there's three ways. First, you need to recognize your internal monologue. What is the voice inside your head telling you? 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but love and power and self-control. Does the voice inside you build you up, or does it break you down? Does the voice inside you make you more loving or less loving? What is your internal monologue showing you? Second thing we need to recognize is our mood. Do you know, I'll wake up on a Monday, and I'll just be like, do you know what, guys? This is Blue Monday. I will name it Blue Monday. I will accept it's Blue Monday. I've written it off. In In fact, Forget this week, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna write off this week. I don't feel good, I don't care what you say, I don't want to preach today. You don't have to make me. It's like we just we have this mood and it surrounds us and, and we don't think why? Why am I, why did I wake up feeling like this? What's what's going on? We need to recognise what our moods are telling us about something that's happening inside of us. The third thing is our conversation. Jesus says, From the abundance of the heart, the lips will speak. I am blessed, because this is being recorded right now, so I can actually hear myself speak, which is something we don't often get the opportunity to do. And I listen to it back, and I watch myself, and every single time I'm like, why did I say that thing? What was I thinking? I can't believe that came out of my mouth. How do I take it back? I wonder what it would be like if you could actually hear yourself speak sometimes. If you stopped and listened to the words you said, what would they tell you about the battle that's going inside? Before you can defeat the enemy, before you can win the battle, you have to recognize it. Recognizing that there are spiritual forces is your first step to victory. Let's continue reading Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to go from verse 13. Just so you know, I'm reading the message version. If it's not matching what you've got on your phones, it's just another translation. So I like it because it makes it fresh for me. So I'm going to go straight in verse 13. He says, Be prepared. He was a scout. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation, they're more than words. I'll say that again. Thanks, Emma. (laughs) Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. I might say another time. We need to get this. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation, they're more than just words. We have to apply them. You're going to need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and your sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. I love that. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation. Truth is like the right words. Righteousness is like the right actions. Peace is like the right attitude. Faith is like the right beliefs. Salvation is the right relationship. Paul wants to give them like a true north for their compass. You know, so often in life we have nothing that guides us and we just, we just go from what feels right one thing to another. And Paul is trying to be concrete. He's saying, don't just read this. Don't just say you're saved. Don't just say you want to be righteous. But learn your true north. How many of us know the story of William Wilberforce? We all know it, surely. If you don't, Amazing Grace is a fantastic film and you need to watch it. But William Wilberforce was famous. He had this this word from God that he describes when he was young. And he says that God gave him two commissions in his life. To help end slavery and to stand up for moral values. to, To live the right kind of life. And so he started to frame every action based on those two beliefs. And for years and years he fought, and he failed, and he lost friends, and he lost finances, and he lost his health, and he was just up against battle after battle after battle. But his true north held firm, and after 20 years, in 1807, they passed a bill that would mean the end of slavery in this country. You see, the thoughts that you accept and the thoughts that you reject are what are going to define your life. How do you know which is which? How do you know? I've spent years believing lies because I didn't know what the Bible was telling me. Paul is giving us, he says the word of God is an indispensable weapon. Like the word of God gives us our true north. It shows us what direction to go. It's a standard against which we can measure everything and we can say, do you know what? I reject that. How often do we just wait and wait and wait and we don't reject these voices? 1 Peter 5 verse 7, it tells us that the enemy is like a lion and it's prowling and it's looking for somebody to devour. And what does he say to do? Reject it immediately. How often do we hear a voice and it says, Ben, no one cares. No one loves you. No one's going to talk to you after the service and that coffee time. You're not loved. And do I go, oh, yeah, you're right. Instead, I say, no, yeah. you are a liar. Yeah. You, I am loved. Yeah. Yeah. And how do I know I'm loved? I'm loved because the Bible tells me, in fact, it tells me I'm loved so much that God would leave heaven and die if only just for me. We need to learn to reject immediately. Immediately. Jesus does this. Jesus does this wonderfully. There's this story of Jesus and like some of his best friends. And he's talking to a guy called Peter. And they're walking along. And I imagine him saying to Peter, like, so, so what are people saying about me? Who are people saying I am? What's the gossip? What's the word on the street? And, and Peter says, oh, some people are saying you're like this. And some people are saying you're like that. Some guys think you've got an amazing beard. Some people think that like... You're just an awesome teacher. And he's like, okay, that's great. I don't care what other people think. Peter, who do you think I am? And Peter says, I think you're the Messiah. I think you're the Christ. I think you've come to save us. And Jesus says this incredible thing. He says that thought that you just had, it was not yours, but it came all the way down from heaven. And God put that thought in your head. How amazing is that? Well, then Jesus says to him, he says, you're right, I am the Messiah. And I'm going to go soon. And I'm going to have to die. I'm going to have to suffer I'm going to be tortured and I'm going to be crucified. And and Peter's like with his best friend. He's like, no, Jesus, what are you thinking? Obviously not. You're supposed to be the Messiah. There's no way you need to do this. It'll be okay, Jesus. And Jesus turns to his best friend. And he says, you get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. To his friend. Because he's recognized that wasn't even his thought. But that thought came straight out of hell. And it was intended to destroy his ministry. Now, I'm not telling you that every time someone speaks a lie to you, that you say, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> it, it would be awkward, wouldn't it? Could you imagine how that happens in a relationship in your home? Honey, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I'm not sure that that would be building a happy marriage. This isn't what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, you can choose not to accept the words that other people speak over you. Do you know, we walk around unguarded. We just walk around and we accept everything. I was talking to someone just a couple of weeks ago, and he said that somebody was praying, and he came up to him and said, I know what you're doing seems good. I know you think you're trying to follow Jesus. But God's telling me you're not an evangelist. That you're never going to do this, that you're going to fail and what you're doing is wrong. People will say stuff. <laughs> and we don't get to stop that, but we get to know what we reject and what we don't. Somebody says to you, "Do you know what you're never going to amount to anything? You're worthless?" You can say no. That's a lie. You don't have to accept what people say to you. We can build barriers. See, Paul even, Paul is telling us three really, really practical things. He says, you need to recognise there's a spiritual fight. You need to reject the lies. But then he goes further, because the Bible is a weapon. We get to do this awesome judo move. (laughs) We get to take the lie and replace it with the truth. So that every time we're attacked, inadvertently we're building ourselves up more and more. If every time the devil says something negative to you, you replace it with a positive, what happens is he's going to stop saying negative stuff because you're just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. We recognize, we reject, and we replace. We recognize, we reject, we replace. Somebody says to you, they say, do you know what, you're never going to amount to anything. You're know, you 25 and you don't even have a high-flying career yet. You're not doing what you wanted to do. Your life's going nowhere. Would you say, no, that's not true. That's not true. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God knows the plans that he has for me, the plans to prosper me, the plans for a hope and a future. In fact, I can go to Ephesians as well. In 1 verse 8, it says, Even before the world was made, God was looking forward at me. And he had a plan to make me whole and to make me holy. But you're a reject. Do you know what? You're no good. God made a mistake when he made you. You know what? Your parents didn't want you. You weren't planned. I can say, I am a masterpiece. Not only am I loved and wanted, I am just like a work of art and he's never going to make another one of me. Don't say praise God. (laughs) We can take every single lie and we can reject it and we can replace it and we'll find ourselves growing Like in Timothy it says, we'll find ourselves growing in love and power and self-control. So I think that really, the question I'm trying to pull out today, the choice that we each sitting here have, is if there's a battle, whose side are you going to be on? Whose voice do you want to agree with? I don't know what this looks like practically for you today. It could, it could look like a number of things. Maybe, maybe you, you just need to get a Bible. You need to start getting more serious about getting into the Word of God. Just digging deep. Getting, getting a pen. You know you're allowed to write in Bibles. Just circle every single promise and start memorizing the Scripture. What happened to memorizing Scripture? Why have we stopped doing that? Let's get the Word of God inside us. Maybe that's what your God is telling you to start doing today. Or maybe you need to explore this more. Maybe you've got deep stuff and you've agreed with some of these lies and they've kind of become like life lies, lies that you've built your life upon. Well, we've got a freedom in Christ course coming up. Take advantage of it. Don't sit down, but stand strong. Perhaps you're here today and this is all news. But it's good news. Perhaps you don't know this Jesus. Perhaps you don't know this Jesus who we talk about with such excitement and enthusiasm. You don't know this Jesus who saved you. And maybe this is all kind of like, it's all a bit out there, but you recognize the truth in it. There's something inside you that's like, I I can see the way that these words are affecting my life. I can see how I've agreed with these things and I just can't get my thoughts under control. Maybe your step today is going to be taking a bold decision and saying, I'm going to give over control. I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to actually say, I'm going to follow his way. And I'm going to let his word start to become a standard to help me to see what's going to build me up. You know, Jesus' promise is that every single one of us will have life and life to the full. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we don't have troubles. It doesn't mean that we don't have hard times. But if you want to live a life that's defined by peace and joy, if you want to have a ministry which just overflows, you need to work out how you're going to partner with Jesus in defeating these mind monsters. Do you know what I'd like to do? This is our final service altogether for churches. It's the final service in our summer of change. And I don't want us to leave here missing the opportunity. Wouldn't it be awful if we finished a summer of changed and left the same? Like, What would be the point? And, and so I want to spend a moment, I just want to give you space to think, to pray, to process. And I want to ask you, what is your practical step off the back of this? You know, if, if this is true, if I believe this, how does it affect my behavior? What is something tangible that I'm going to start or stop doing to change and to partner with Jesus? I'm just going to spend one minute and just give you a bit of space. As you're doing that, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what's going to be right next steps for you. But as I, as I stand here and I look out and there's all of us here, I can't help but get excited. In the Bible, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about being a light. And he says, you know, you're a light. And I didn't make you a light so that you'd hide away but shine bright, shine bright on a, on a pedestal, shine bright for the whole world to see. And I think about Kingsway. And I think about Sharston. I think about Fallowfield. I think about Mersey Bank. I think about the Fuse. And I imagine what if we all got this? What if every single one of us went back to our different churches and we were like lighthouses in the city Living the kind of life that you only can when you're free. Living in the fullness. Living with boldness. What if we said the things that we were too afraid to say? What if we did the things that we were too afraid to do? How would that not just affect you? How would that affect your church? How would that affect your city? I know he wasn't a Christian, but Gandhi said, become the change you want to see in this world. What if that better word that you've learned to speak over yourself, what if you start saying that over somebody else in your workplace? What if we all started saying it over people in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our communities? Can you imagine the effect of that over the course of a city, over the course of a year? Stand with me please stand with me. I want us to get this, not even for our own sake, but because if we each get this, the city will be transformed. So we're going to put up that first verse again that we were talking through. And I want us to declare this. God is strong. I want us to declare this, but I don't want us to read it as a you. I want us to read it as a we. This is going to be our declaration together before we go out to different churches, before we go out to different workplaces, before we go out to different neighbourhoods and different streets. So I want you to say this. And I don't want you to say it like, God is strong. Like, I want you to say it as if you're a warrior. I want you to declare this as if you believe it. I'm even going to ask him to turn my microphone down. Because I think that we do, we need to say this out loud and we need to say it bold and we need to believe it. So let's say this together from God is Strong. God is strong and he wants us strong. So take everything that God has set out for us, well-made weapon of the best materials, and put them to use so that we will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws our way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is four keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. And in the name of the Lord, I just pray over every single one of you and I say that you will not be defeated, but you will stand victorious, that your mind monsters will not prevail and that you will become a bearer of light and truth and peace in your communities. Amen.